2: now
3: Now, noblegoldinvestments.com. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision.
4: Hello, everyone. Good to be live again. I have Lara Logan joining me live momentarily. Can't wait to hear from her as a veteran war correspondent. She has spent years covering uh, news for CBS in the war zones of Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, often embedded with the U.S. Armed Forces. She was there covering the Egyptian Revolution. And she has a lot of years of experience covering war. So I want to get her insight on what's going on between Russia and Ukraine with the U S involvement right now. She has previously, uh, I believe it was last week called out uh, the dishonesty in our media in regards to the history of Ukraine and aspects of Ukraine, like the Azov battalion, uh, their history with bio labs. We're going to jump into all of it, uh, before I do, shout out to the sponsor of my coverage which is my Patriot Supply. Uh get your emergency food kit today, link down below. $150 off a 3-month emergency food supply with my link preparewithivory.com. Get that discount down below. Uh good time to do that. Oh, uh, with that being said, let me bring on Lara Logan. Hi Lara, how are you, how are you? I'm good, Ivory. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um yeah, I caught uh, some of your comments uh earlier this month in regards to dishonesty with Ukraine's history so when we as americans look at what's going on in ukraine it's really hard to figure out what's true and what's not what the us's involvement really is what have our own tax dollars been funding um you're uh you're a south african with a lot of experience covering wars what's your take on what we're hearing
5: Well, you don't have to look very far, you know, and you don't really have to put much effort into it to find out what the Ukrainian government has been doing in eastern Ukraine um, over the last few years, you know, because the east of Ukraine, cities like Donbass and uh, Odessa, Lugansk, these places are littered with mass graves. There's been uh, protests by the separatists of the region. Those are primarily, you know, were often Russian-speaking Ukrainians who have sided and wanted to go with Russia. And the way these things are reported in the West is, you know, you have, for example, Crimea votes to separate, and most of Crimea votes in favor of separating, in favor of being part of Russia. And that's cast in the U.S. and in Western media as, oh, see, this is Russian interference, and uh, this is somehow uh, obscuring the truth. But, you know, um, at a certain point, you, you really have to ask, What is the evidence from the Ukrainian people themselves? And all over the Internet, you can find Ukrainians, um, even in this conflict, describing being shot at by Ukrainian forces, not Russian forces. And I'm not saying the Russians are not shooting at people. I'm just saying that there is evidence that challenges the narrative that we are being fed. And what we want to understand is the whole truth, right? I mean, that's our goal is understanding the whole truth. And when you look at a press that is uncharacteristically, you know, has no curiosity in understanding who is Zelensky? How did he get to power? What do we really know about him? um, What have Ukrainian paramilitaries been doing on his watch? What has he done to limit the, uh, the use of, of the Russian language in Ukraine, which is not very democratic at all? What has happened? Who are the people lying in these mass graves? How were they killed? Why do we only care about Ukrainian women and children when the Russians are the ones killing them? Uh, you know, in our narrative and uh, not any other time. And the other thing that's emerging, which is quite disturbing, it's very hard in the digital age to be able as a, you know, as a journalist, you know this, Ivory, for every single one of us to hunt down every piece of video to be able. I don't have the technical skills to analyze the metadata. I don't have an army of people that work for me that can say, oh, yeah, you know, hey, this video is from here. It was shot then and so on and so on and so what you have is an unfair advantage for the people spreading disinformation and propaganda and it doesn't just work one way right it's not so simple as oh well the russians you know they know how to do disinformation so therefore everything that's fake is coming from them and oh by the way everything that's fake that's being pushed is being pushed by the right well that's you know that's not true at all we're all smart enough to know that that's a lie right because there's as much disinformation possibly more, we don't know, coming from the U.S. government and from the rest of the media as there is from anybody else. And for us to hunt down every single piece of information and every single report and so on is just an impossible task. So what they'll do is when you hear of atrocities being perpetuated by Ukrainian paramilitaries who are, you know, holding up the swastika and funded and equipped by the United States, Well, all they have to do is insert one false report or one false video or one fake photo or an old photo from a different conflict or from somewhere else. Just get one thing wrong. And they typically will pick something that will really make you emotional, right? So no matter which side, you know, you happen to be on or what you care about, it's going to elicit a strong emotional response because what's that going to do? That's going to get you to send it. Send it to somebody else. And that way it goes all over the place. And the more people that post it, the better. Because guess what? They have the media and the fact checkers, fact checkers, right, Um, waiting in line to do an article that isn't looking at, you know, examining how many Ukrainian civilians have been murdered by these uh, Nazi paramilitaries. They're not looking into U.S. funding of Nazi paramilitaries. They don't worry about any of that. They just worry about pointing out that you and these other people have been pushing, you know, the right wing is pushing all this uh, propaganda, Russian propaganda. I love it with me. They write these stupid articles that say that the
0: Russians approve
5: of, you know, Laura Logan said or something like that. So they can't accuse me of being a Russian spy the way they accuse Trump of being a spy, right? Even though he wasn't. But what they can do is cast enough doubt on my credibility and suggest that i'm in league somehow with the russians or i'm parroting russian propaganda and you know anyone who knows me knows that i don't parrot anybody's propaganda right that's uh that's not the point of journalism the point is to try to figure out the truth and these days if you point out anything at all that's inconsistent with the prevailing narrative well then the media matters for America machine kicks into overdrive Ivory, don't you love how we're supposed to take people seriously when they're pushing what Media Matters for America says? I mean, is there a bigger joke uh, than that? I don't know if there's a bigger joke of all than actually calling yourself a journalist when you're repeating Media Matters for America's propaganda talking points. That's the laugh of the century. And the only thing worse than that is having media organizations who for years have been reporting stories that don't have a shred of truth in them. Wait, let's see. It wasn't just that they said that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Uh, sound familiar? But um, how many years did these people report on Russian collusion? And there weren't any journalists on their staff who said, mm, gee, I don't know, Christopher Steele's dossier. I, I took a look at that. There are no uh, eyewitness accounts. And there are no first-hand sources. And wait a minute, there's no second-hand sources either. And, you know, and so on and so on. So these people are truly pathetic, right? I mean, they're going to stand in judgment of you and me and anyone else who's, like, doing their best to be as honest as possible and to ask the right questions. They have entire media organizations and newsrooms and budgets and staffs of people at their disposal. And they can't ask a single, honest, critical question. And that's on them. And then on top of that, they hide They hide behind the layers of protection that the paid political propaganda assassins of Media Matters for America provide for them. And we're supposed to buckle under the pressure? I mean, honestly, it's just, um, it's ridiculous. The reality of Russia-Ukraine is that I don't trust any of the information coming out of there. I know what happened in the last few years. I know that Zelensky was played the president in a TV show. He played the president in a TV show, okay? That doesn't mean he's not qualified. Ronald Reagan was an actor, you can say. But you know what? No one's asking Zelensky or the United States to account for the mass graves across the east of Ukraine. And I say again to every journalist and to every person, to every political leader who says you you, got to pick a side and you got to be on the side of Ukraine, why do you not care about the Ukrainian women and children and civilians lying in mass graves and how they got there and what that tells us about this conflict. And by the way, why do you not care that there's such a rush to bring this war to our doors, right, right here to America, where it's going to be our children and our families and our homes. Don't you think that even the possibility that we're supposedly, you know, going into a bigger war should motivate journalists to at least ask the question, what is our role in this? And when Jen Psaki tells you, it doesn't matter that there's a handful of Nazis in the Azov Battalion, nah, most of the Ukrainian military, they're not Nazis. You don't think the same standard we know would never be applied in the United States Nobody would ever say, oh, it's okay that there's a bunch of Nazis in this National Guard unit in Texas. Well, that's not most of them. You know, these are just basic questions. You don't have to be a genius to ask them. You just have to have even the slightest interest in doing your job properly.
4: It's fascinating that you bring up this history in Ukraine and you get labeled a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I was just reading the top get uh, unhinged, unhinged, yeah, right, right. The top uh, paragraph on Wikipedia right now, in a, in addition to they do note yeah. your accolades as a war correspondent. <laughs> But that recently you've become a conspiracy theorist whose, whose mm. talking points have been used by Vladimir Putin. Uh, but you're, you're just what? documenting the history. <laughs> you're, you're That's documenting the history in Ukraine. Yeah. But I love that you don't care about their okay. opinion. You continue yeah. to okay. talk about this. And it's very yeah. interesting also that you're the one being a, a, called a spreader of disinformation. When I'm looking at an article from NBC News right now that says, quote, Russian propaganda on Ukraine's non-existent biolabs boosted by U.S. far right. So the NBC News, uh, March 14th, said these biolabs are non-existent. That's after the after Reuters had an exclusive with WHO noting the biolabs. WHO was saying, yes, there's biolabs. And yes, we need you guys to destroy
5: what's in there now because it's harmful Yeah, okay, so you know, I again NBC News I don't even know (laughs) which idiot wrote the article, but they don't do their jobs, right? Because you know, maybe I've been talking to one of the co founders of Metabiota, maybe I looked on the State Department's website and saw where they had listed uh, the list of labs. Oh, exactly, they called it here's the article by the way, NBC News, by the way, too, maybe. The uh, United States government deleted the map of those programs because those programs, many of them, were public before this war started. So, you know, I haven't read the NBC article. It doesn't sound like they've done even the most basic reporting. But this is what you have here. If anyone understands the history there, what they would know is that Vladimir Putin... Built some of those bioweapons labs. How do you think the Russians know that they're there? We know that during the Cold War, it's well documented history that uh, both Russia and the United States were engaged in bioweapons, right? We know it has started even before that. In fact, if you go back, to the Second World War. I mean, what do you think was happening at Fort Detrick all these years? We have had instances in the past with bioweapons and others where that led to gain of function research being banned. What about during Nixon when a bunch of mosquitoes were released out of Fort Detrick and there was, you know, that were, uh, that were. A part of a bioweapons program and there was outrage over that so there's there's a lot of history there that cannot just be erased by google even though they're doing their best to suppress it and by the way DuckDuckGo as well that was very disappointing really but even though they're doing their best to suppress this history and to suppress the truth they can't get rid of all of it because uh well not yet anyway but because there's too much and it's it spans you know a, a certain period of time and it, it also goes into too much detail. And it's the same, by the way, with the Nazi history that you find in Ukraine. Because whether it's Al Jazeera or BBC or other people, they've all done stories about Ukraine's Nazis and neo Nazi paramilitaries and all that. Now they want to pretend these groups don't exist. But unfortunately for them, there's a record there of their own reporting. And they can't uh you know, they haven't yet I don't want to say they can't because in the digital world, technology exists to do anything. But they haven't yet admitted that, uh, you know, uh, they haven't gotten rid rid of all the evidence. And this is what I would say to you about this. Well, first of all, we all know that Wikipedia is no different to Google and Twitter and all the rest of them, right? It's a bunch um, of uh, more paid political operatives pushing false narratives, trying to. We've got a digital version of Encyclopedia Britannica, and now they can say whatever they like. And uh, they can destroy anybody they want. But you have to care about what they say. And unfortunately for them, you know, millions of Americans, millions of people all over the world don't care anymore. You want to cancel me. You want me to be unemployable. You want me to have no voice. But guess what? Technology works both ways. So I can build an aircraft carrier that doesn't go through Amazon servers right? That is its own technological platform. And I can uh, and I can be on there. And they can, they can tell all the people they want, don't watch Ivory Hecker's show. But there's going to be people out there who know that you're honest and who know that you're a good journalist. And they're going to watch your show. And they're not going to do as they're told because we have free will. And that is our gift from God, that we have free will. And in this country, we still have freedom to make our own choices. Now, are they going to come after me for that? Sure, they are. Do I uh, not only do I not care, I welcome the attacks because it tells me what to look for. What are they so upset about? They don't like me pointing out that there are lots of Nazis in Ukraine. Guess what else they don't like me pointing out? That Alan Dulles, when he was head of the CIA, protected the Nazis of Ukraine from prosecution at the Nuremberg trials. Why did we do that? We don't have good answers on this. We don't have good answers on why the CIA, at the end of the Second World War, you know, when the full horror of the concentration camps and what the Nazis did, which was absolutely unforgivable to to Jewish people, to gypsies, the Romani, to gay people, to disabled people, the many, 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 many injustices that they carried out, right? We don't have answers to understand how the head of the CIA and other American leaders thought it would be absolutely fine to protect the people most responsible, bring them to the United States, give them secret identities as they did under Operation Paperclip, give them citizenship for life, and protect them, but not only protect them, build what they were doing, some of what they were doing in the Second World War, build that into our systems. Right. We don't know how much of that was handed over at Fort Detrick because we don't have access to all those classified programs. But we do know that there were Nazi scientists that went to NASA, that went to Fort Detrick, that went all over the place. There was a Nazi. It was head of their intelligence who was part of founding and establishing and setting up the CIA. And this is not difficult history to find. I didn't make these things up. They're all over the Internet for now. So before this stuff gets taken down, before we're totally, you know, um, in the hands of uh, of the big tech companies who increasingly seem no different to the tyrants within our own governments, and I've had hackers tell me there is no difference. I've had privacy experts tell me there's no difference. I've had all kinds of people on the left many people on the left tell me there is no difference. Well, until um, until that point, right, where we where we literally are blind because Google's giving us only the search results we want and all the ad tech companies on board, they're not going to be able to shut up people like me. They're just not going to be able to do it. And every single day, there are more people standing up and more people standing up and the tactics are failing. And that's what's to me is so significant with Ukraine. We know that a false flag event for them right now would be very convenient. Have an attack, blame it on Putin, right? Supply chain crisis, blame it on Putin. Supply chain crisis predates what's going on in Ukraine. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. The supply chain crisis is tied to us committing energy suicide. By shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, shutting down investment in oil and gas, while still allowing Nord Stream 2, so oil and gas pipelines to continue going in Europe, right? And then at the same time, at the same time, right, with Hunter Biden, you've got the president's son making money out of oil and gas. So wait a minute, let me see. This is, is this a model for where we're headed? You can do whatever you want and the rest of you no, you're just there to fight our wars for us and to be uh, and to be abused by us and enslaved. And we can say anything we like about you. And, you know, and uh, you have no defense. Well, guess what? Not on my watch and not to me. I don't care. Right. Well,
4: um, I was able before Google wiped out any links to these websites. I mean, you can f- see the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine website right now. It's translated to English right now. But um this is their biohazard reduction program. These are the biolabs that NBCs denying exist, but they're funded by the US Department of Defense funding the Ministry of Defense in Ukraine, not yep. the Ministry of Health. And yep. so I think that Russia is saying that's what they have a problem with is it's our defense department, our our military funding Ukraine's military in regards to deadly diseases. And okay. this is the so U.S. admitting that right here.
5: Well, there is um, there's some important uh, background here and context to this. So at the end of the Second World War, we went in as the United States um, into, uh, not the Second World War, at the end of the Cold War. Um, we went in to Ukraine and under the D- DITRA is what it's called, the Defense Threat reduction agency, right? We said, okay, we're going to go into all of of Putin's bio labs and we're going to turn them into public health laboratories. But as you point out, these are contracts that were done with the Department of Defense in Ukraine, not the public health department. And even if they started out, you know, as being DOD programs, if they were fully transitioned and only transitioned to public health laboratories, well, then, you know, the Ukrainians had the option, of course, of of moving that over. We don't see evidence of that. We know that this program was public. There were maps that were available online. You could find them on the U.S. Embassy website. Shortly after the conflict in Ukraine started, a cyber person that I know um, managed to capture and store all of that. And then not long afterwards, almost instantly, actually, they were wiped and those locations were taken off. What we also know is that there were additional labs that were built. So, you know, Metabiota, I believe, was involved with some of that. And those contracts were also with the Department of Defense. And we really don't have any idea what happened in those labs so putin on the one hand is saying that there is and they have evidence that there uh, was you know bioweapons were being developed and they were being um, engineered and targeted towards slavic people some of them um we don't yet have the ability to know if that is true or to vet that fully or not but look at what we do know that a couple years ago If I had told you that we would be shutting the entire world down with COVID, which was being developed in Wuhan as a bioweapon, in the bioweapons lab in Wuhan, because China only has bioweapons labs. They don't, you know, try to save their people and and save the world. They develop bioweapons and anyone in U.S. intelligence who is not lying to you, any bioweapons specialist will tell you we have monitored those labs from the first brick we have. We, we spy on them all the time. We know exactly what is going on there, not to mention all the other evidence that's come out about gain-of-function research and Fauci and so on and so on and so on, right? So, you know, there is at least a reasonable argument to say uh, that it's valid to want to know exactly what was going on in those bioweapons labs. And then when you find out, you know, that Hunter Biden is involved in this, you know that uh, we've been told by the New York Times that Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. We know it's full of oligarchs, you know, um, who are involved in money laundering and buying off politicians and so on and so on. You know, we know, for example, nobody.
2: oh. you
1: At fighterflare.com.
5: Everybody wants to talk about the fact that it's it's not just the paramilitaries and the Nazis training in Ukraine, it's also Antifa, that's also where they train, and we also know that there's a long history there of the CIA uh, funding and supporting the Nazis of Ukraine, we know that after Hitler invaded Western Ukraine, it became a base of operations for the Nazis, and a base for the SS, right? We know that Ukrainians participated in the slaughter of their own people when uh, so many hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian uh, Jewish people were slaughtered. So we know that there's a lot to this history that isn't in the simple narrative. And the United States has had to admit that these labs exist. So why NBC persists in denying it? I mean, that's on them and their shoddy reporting because, as you know, Ivory, it's not just the reporter, right? It's all—it's the reporter, the producer. I mean, it's the uh, the editors. It's all the people involved in producing that product who all went along with that lie.
4: Right, yeah. A lot of times the reporter's just the face of it. I mean, uh, reporters do a lot of work, but end of the day, they can only release what their boss allows and they have to be the face of whatever the company, whatever propaganda sometimes the company wants to release. And if there's backlash know, that can go that so... Company-
5: I was not known for going along with propaganda. So, you know, my that. network career came uh, to a screeching halt as a result. So uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that because I just, you know, I just mm-hmm. followed the facts and I thought that's what everybody was doing. But and I think, you know, for a time. I Oh, you just you just cut out your audio cut out. I think okay. for a time, at least, we there was an honest effort to try to do that. But nobody can say they're making an so, honest yeah. effort to figure out what's really going on in Ukraine when they're putting out Ukrainian government figures of casualties, for example, that you know just uh, that just would be unprecedented for any modern conflict and make no sense. And nobody as, actually far,
4: as far as how many Russian uh, military yeah. members died. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, yeah. I was just reading today; it's an immense amount, according to. NATO uh, how many russians have have died in this in this war but all these um these facts that you like to bring to the forefront cause the mainstream media to say hey she sounds like she's taking putin's side are you agreeing with putin and going in and killing
5: ukrainians no that would be ridiculous why would i agree with that why why would any human being why would i as a normal decent human being want anyone to suffer I don't want people to suffer. Just look at the plethora of my reporting over the years, right? I mean, I I went to Liberia at the height of the Ebola epidemic, the worst Ebola epidemic in history, and risked my life going into the graveyards, which is often where Ebola is transmitted, one of the most dangerous centers at the center of the outbreak, so that I could bring the story of the Liberian people and what they were going through at the time. And, uh, And I've done many other... Uh, Stories like that. I lived in Iraq for five years with the Iraqi people. I mean, you mentioned the fact that I've been embedded, but you know what? Much more than embedded, I lived with the Iraqi people. I lived with the Afghan people. I lived with Afghan soldiers on their front line. I risked my life to tell stories about the suffering of uh, people in conflict for uh, 35 years. I started in South Africa doing that when nobody wanted to send a little white girl into the violent townships of South Africa where the struggle against apartheid, uh, the political struggle was happening and people were dying every day. I mean, I I went in sometimes at night. I had to hide. I got people to cover for me. I mean, I've risked my life over and over again. And you know what? I don't want any accolades for that because it's part of our job. I mean, any real reporter will do that especially in a conflict situation. And I wasn't alone. There are many other reporters who've done that as well. But to say now that, you know, I'm on uh, Putin's side because I don't agree with uh, not asking any questions and not looking at the history and not looking at uh, Zelensky's motives and not looking at Biden's motives. I mean, how many impeachment trials have we had in the last hundred years that centered around a tiny country on a map that most Americans had no idea where it was. And many of them still don't. Right. Yeah. You, there aren't any. So there's something very significant going on with Ukraine. It's not just uh, central to this war. It's also central to the whole Russia collusion narrative, which was false. And um, and in fact, you know what people have forgotten about? They don't mention this, but look up the editorial that was written by the Ukraine's ambassador to the United States during the 2016 election, where this ambassador breaks with diplomatic protocol and takes a political position in the election of a foreign country where he is currently based. That is against, I mean, the diplomats do not do that because no matter who wins the election, if you're a diplomat from a foreign country, you're supposed to build relations with that government. And you can upset so many other things. So why did Ukraine's ambassador take the unusual step of saying that, you know, Ukraine did not stand with and did not like Donald Trump and wanted, you know, his opponent to win in the election? There's Mm -hmm. much more going on here with Ukraine than we know and understand and realize. Why did they go so insane over John Solomon's reporting? So insane that they had to do a whole impeachment thing that, by the way, everybody agreed would fail, right? I mean, everyone knew it would fail that they weren't going to get enough votes. In fact, it drove me crazy that people at the time would go out every night, you know, and say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a waste of time because he's not going to get, they're not going to get the votes. No, they know they're not going to get the votes. So they're getting something else out of it. What is it that they're getting out of it? Part of it, you know, obviously, is to address this video of Joe Biden basically saying, I'm not going to give you the money, you know, unless you do this, this, and this, and, uh, and then boasting about doing that. I mean, they had to come up with some kind of cover for that, I guess, or they had to make it so toxic. That's another tactic that they do. They make it so toxic that nobody wants to touch it. No journalist dares. And they held up John Solomon as an example. But I encourage everybody to go to John Solomon's website. Go to just the news. Read all of that old reporting on Ukraine again. See Mm. what he was really reporting on. And, by the way, go to the transparency feature. Because there you'll find the emails and the source documents and everything that he was relying on and it's wow. very very revealing about a lot of what was happening in Ukraine through the National Endowment for Democracy and the Open Society Foundation and you know our friends uh in the in the Soros world who were arranging meetings in the US embassy they you know and uh following up on those meetings i mean basically affecting policy through the structures of the United States government at the taxpayer's expense and wow. Uh, and you know and they're not the only ones look at USAID i mean the embassy is not the only government structure that gets used look at USAID and start to ask some critical questions you know i don't worry about what they say about me because it's it's hard enough just oh you cut you cut out again it's hard enough what for your job when in the current circumstances when they have you know, it's not a level playing field. They have paid propagandists, they have political operatives, they have you know, all the money in the world. They have civil society institutions behind them who will back them up with their lies. They have mm-hmm. companies that will write research and produce graphs and books and whatever else that will back them up. They've got the think tanks who are, you know, also on the payroll who will come out and, uh, and push a false narrative for you. They have all the politicians who are doing that. So this is a very uneven playing field. This is a David and Goliath fight. You know that as well as I do. And so you think I have time? to worry about uh, what these morons are doing? No, I definitely do not.
4: Well, you're a unique one in the media because uh, we know most media members care immensely what their colleagues think. And that's, I think, why there's a lack of curiosity in the media. We just had uh, one Daily Mail Mail reporter right here, bold enough to talk about these Hunter Biden emails. These are uh, the Hunter Biden emails on dailymail.co.uk right now that show that Hunter Biden helped secure uh, millions of dollars for biolab research in Ukraine. And yeah. interestingly, I mean, this email right here talks about um, the plan to assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia. What does that have to do with health research? If this is really about mitigating uh, normal diseases, why are you talking about, uh, you know, asserting your... Economic independence from Russia uh, So it, it raises A lot of questions and I can only imagine You know the scorn that this reporter Faced for putting this out uh, Because it goes against The narrative right and that's why we don't See a lot of the media Covering things like this
5: Well they're you know um, That's on them right I mean I try To focus on the things that I can control And I can't control what every reporter decides To do I think it's I mean, it's inherently disappointing because I know a lot of great reporters, and yep. I've worked with a lot of great people, and I have uh, a lot of respect for them. But uh, to have no curiosity is the most basic of reported traits, right? It's the most basic. And there are too many experienced war reporters out there and veteran reporters who know that when you see yourself, you know, and you see the, this drumbeat of Ukraine, 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 I mean, uh, they know that we're being manipulated. Um, reporters are, you know, our DNA and our nature is supposed to be that we kind of, you know, we have a little bit of that, um, that anarchy in us where we're going to question authority and we're not going to bow and we're not going to be told what to do. You know, we're not going to be the ones applauding at political rallies because we're the ones who are there to figure out what the truth is. And I don't care which side you vote. I don't want to be lied to by you i you know that doesn't help any of us in the end and of course exactly. there's opinion journalists and there are opinion shows and you know and all of that and we all have our own bias and we all have our own opinions but there is at least supposed to be some kind of system there and some kind of standard that encourages us to look past and actually helps us look past our own bias and that is to get firsthand eyewitness accounts and so on and so on. So how could you ignore the eyewitness accounts coming from the ground in Ukraine? How could you ignore the people who are saying the opposite to what you're hearing from government officials? How could you not ask uh, your, your leaders to provide evidence for what they're saying? How do they support these claims? How could you ignore The very recent history, I I saw a film online. I tell you, it it disturbed me because in one of the separatist protests in Odessa, I think it was 2014, maybe 15, you know, there were people um, that were protesting and there was a big building in the square and somebody, somebody set it on fire, right? And um, there was a man being interviewed who was describing how he stayed inside, he was suffocating to death because he would do anything but risk the fate of those who were trying to get out of the windows and doors. And as they were coming out, they were being shot and they were being beaten. And some of them, you know, beaten by mobs, dragged through the streets. You see the footage. I mean, you see this building on fire. You see a guy on the street shooting at the windows. You see Mm -hmm. people trying to get out. You see uh, people being beaten. Now, you know, um, I haven't, Uh, gone, being able to go on the ground and find that man and find that building and go and see for myself and investigate it and everything because we're in a situation now where that country's at war anyway. And so you you see the burden of first-hand proof and evidence um, is great but at the same time um, you're not applying the same standard. You're not applying the same standard to your own leaders um, as you are To everything else that you're choosing to ignore and that's how you know it's not honest right because if a different standard is being applied there's motivation to apply a different standard and typically um you know that kind of motivation isn't helpful in terms of determining the truth so uh what really happened in odessa who are those people in mass graves how did they get there what role did zelensky have in that these are very important questions for us to answer because um You know, this war is being used um, for political reasons in the United States. That's very obvious at this point. And, you know, if you're going to dismiss me as being alt right, which I am not, and uh, because I'm not politically defined and I never have been and I never will be, um, what have you done? To figure out the truth. That's what every journalist should ask themselves, you know. And so while I can't influence you, and I wouldn't even try because I don't care, um, because I don't care if you like me or you don't like me. As long as my children like me, I'm good to go. And um, what I would say to you, though, is. Oh, it
4: just cut out again. Sorry. Oops, now we can't now we can't see what I
5: would say is before you dismiss me, ask yourself how many of those questions you've asked or how many of them you can answer. And then you'll know you don't need me to tell you. You'll know. Good point. Uh, I know you're extremely busy right now, so I don't
4: want to keep you too long. But you're in the middle of working on a big election story, which is something. A lot of us have a lot of questions about, and a lot of the media is completely ignoring so what's going on with the election? Can you give us a teaser of what you're working on?
5: Yeah, this is a show you know uh another subject I didn't want to touch right because wow, talk about a death sentence or this is going to if they if they don't you know write me off with uh Ukraine, they certainly will write me off with the election so i mean and honestly between uh, trafficking and COVID, and so many of the other things the open border that i'm working on it's um the headache is just enormous so i thought a lot about it there's a good team of people working on this and um and what i what i realized what made sense to me was to do a story that isn't just about what happened in the election um but is about the cover-up because mm-hmm. You can point to fraud on one side or another, in one election or another. And you can make a case that 2020 was on a scale like we'd never seen before and so on and so on. But here's what you can't do without help from both sides. You can't get away with it. You Mm -hmm. just can't. And they say the cover-up is always worse than the crime, right? So I figured a way to make sure there's no one left who doesn't want to get rid of me is I should concentrate on the cover-up and look at what both sides have done. And, you know, I say that with a smile on my face, but honestly, it's built partly from the knowledge that I have of people coming to me and saying, you know, we're being targeted by our own side. It's the GOP or our establishment Republicans or other Republican leaders who have threatened us or who have told us we can't talk about this and so on and so on. And, you know, there's... To me, because of my sense of of justice and uh, I despise injustice, there's an inherent injustice in that and a dishonesty. So that's always going to be something that draws uh, me in to try to investigate it and figure it out and see what's there. So this is what we are This is what we're really looking at. And of course, you know, most, well, everything I do, I try to build it like I would build a 60-minute story because that's where I was, you know, for most of my career and uh, where I I feel like that's, you know, the best standard that I know of storytelling and uh, journalism. And so uh, we're telling you a story. Yeah, let me tell you a story about something that happened in 2020. You're not going to believe this. (laughs) (laughs) but it's really it's um that's not a very good way to start but this is what I would do is I would say let me tell you a story um about something that happened in Mesa County Colorado right and it, it begins with a woman called right and so on like this so that's the storytelling um, that I try to bring to what I do with the investigative journalism side of it, which is, of course, a million times harder these days because nobody wants you to get to the truth. There's such vested interest in, uh, in making sure you don't get there. They plant people in front of you, sources and supporters and whoever else who are not who they seem. They have so much money and, uh, you know, uh, and... Um, outside you know when i say outside most journalists especially independent journalists and whatever don't have those resources and so um we are looking we're we're folding in the typical layers of a 60 minute story will not just be superficial right you will layer in um complexities and details and history that's why i know that it's missing from the ukraine reporting because it, it it's in my DNA to do that reporting. And so when you look at it, of course, mail-in ballot fraud goes back to Lincoln, and um, there's a lot of fraud in different elections that goes back. But but where does it all change in a very significant way? Well, go bite back to those hanging chads, right? Go back to that Bush-Gore election in Florida that convinced us that the paper ballots were used forever had to be discarded and could never be trusted again. And we're better off with machines. And then what happens with machines? Well, guess what we find? Uh, That machines change everything. Everything. And so that's, you know, those are sort of some of the layers of the story um, and the film as we're building into it. It is, as always, with anything that I do, I try to uh, avoid the political traps And to rise uh, above the partisan fray and to look at the principles. And it's very hard with an election because nothing is more inherently political than an election. Right. You can't say it's not political. It is by definition. So um, one side is going to be more receptive than the other. But I still believe that. That with great storytelling and with real investigative work and with um, the truth that you can reach more people than they want you to believe. And uh, and so now I'm over deadline on this film and I got to get it done. Well, I'm excited to see it.
4: You used to put these out on Fox Nation, but I, I don't think you do anymore, right? I don't know. I
5: haven't heard from them.
4: Okay, so where can we – yeah, where can we – that's my huge problem with Fox. Obviously, I was a part of Fox Corp, too, and they wouldn't let me dig into these election-related anomalies I was seeing. So where can we actually see this report you're coming out with, then?
5: Well, I'm on Locals, so you can find me on Locals, but um, this uh, – we have to figure out a release plan uh, for this film. You know, um, the goal is to – obviously, to avoid censorship. <clears throat> because, um, you know, I'm not a fan of censorship in any form. And then, uh, and to reach as many people as possible. So um, uh, smarter people than me will figure that out. I just, you know, I suck at all of that. I just want to do the journalism part of it. That's my strength.
4: Love that. Love that. Yeah. My first independent report, I was just like, where can I upload a bit, bit shoot. We'll do bit shoot. <laughs> and I just put I'm it sure there. It'll be
5: on bit shoot and rumble and, you know, yeah. Frank speech. That's it's my good uh site and he's uh provided uh you know he's been very supportive with that and by the way hasn't interfered one bit right so for all those people who say oh you know another crazy my polo guy thing it's not <laughs> you know the reality is oh the reality is if you stayed away from everybody that they say you have to stay away from so that you're you know not attacked I mean, you, you won't be able to do anything. It's just another form of censorship and tying yes. your hands. And that is the sickening thing that yeah. that I've been saying
4: about media members care too much about their reputation amongst each other. Like, ooh, I can't be around the my pillow guy, or people won't take me seriously. No, how about you just search for the truth, no matter what, no how matter to where. To be
5: honest. Know who you yes. are. Know what right. you stand for, and
4: don't worry about the rest. Exactly. Okay. Well, Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for coming on. And uh can't wait to see your report. We'll see. Looking forward. Thank you, Ivory. All right. See you later. Bye. <laughs> bye. All right. And we'll read one super chat here that we got. Uh, thank you, Ivory and Laura for covering Ukraine, very dark history of human trafficking, Ukraine, Turkey, prostitution rings, contraband, money laundering, organ harvesting, and child prawn. It's a deep rabbit hole. That's what, uh, Lion Kennedy says, thank you so much, Lion, for the super chat. I don't, I, I'm trying to see super chats now. Sometimes they fly through the comments and I don't see them, but I think that's the only one we got. Anyway, so good to have Lara on uh, once again. If you didn't see our original report with her um, early January when she first had the big showdown with Fox, check that out on my YouTube as well. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Have a good one. We'll be back with Truth Bombs with Jenny tomorrow 4 p.m.
2: Now and машine.